Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and click on the Listen tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Our theme for the next couple weeks is going to be recapturing Christmas. And kind of the, the thought behind that theme is that, that Christmas, sometimes we lose it. And there are specific areas around Christmas that, that don't bring joy but, but bring sadness. That, that during the Christmas holiday is the time where there is the most depression and, and things related to people being very unhappy. It seems that something about the holidays and about Christmas seems to intensify that. And so what we've done is, is tried to reclaim this, uh, to reclaim the joy that we have uh, during the holiday season and specifically as Christians. And as I was doing research for this one that is specifically on gifts, I consider myself kind of an expert on it because I was born on Christmas. I mean, Jesus and I, born on Christmas, kind of, <laughs> and that's where the similarities end. But anyways, that I consider myself an expert because I was born on Christmas and I'm kind of a large child. And so I, I look at Christmas and I wonder what happened. And I've identified a few things. One reason why we are disappointed and need to recapture Christmas is because of the fact that we tend to compare gifts. Okay, so I'm, not, I'm happy, I really am, I'm happy to get an Arizona Diamondbacks t-shirt, and I don't care if it's a Zach Granke one that came from Goodwill, I really don't care, that's fine, Th then I'm happy with that, until I'm watching TV and find out that this mom had her little girl ask for a Lexus, are you kidding me, I'm getting a t-shirt and she's getting a Lexus? All of a sudden, I'm not happy with the gifts that I'm getting for Christmas. Second, another reason why gifts have been ruined is because of certain rules at Christmas time. One of the rules has to do with when you open gifts. Opening on Christmas Day, which I call the right way, <laughs> which is when you get up at 5 a.m., the gifts are around the tree, that is when you open the gifts and then there are other people who, who do it on Christmas Eve, or, and I call that the, the wrong way, the, the lazy way of parents who don't want to get up at 5 a.m. on Christmas Day. I know because that's when we do it. And then the people who have no conviction who say, yeah, we open some on Christmas Eve and some on Christmas Day. That's just wrong. Also, rules for Christmas. In grade school, when you're told the dollar amount, a $5 gift, and you're told who to give it to? Are you kidding me? Then it's not really a gift. $5? If someone wants to spend $25 on me, I think they should be allowed. <laughs> and then finally, the final one, and that is that as I, I look at my life, someone's making out like a bandit on Christmas, when I look at how much we spend and the tie that I get, then I'm like at a negative probably five, $600 every Christmas, and I wanna know who's making out. And, and when you realize you're on the wrong side of that, 
There's no going back. It's, it's too late. All right. So I'm, I'm joking a little bit, right? When, when you look at this. But the truth of it is, is some of those things, there's a little bit of truth in all of those that kind of nick us when it comes to gifts, that, that, it, that it kind of takes the air out of your sails and, it, and maybe the wind out of your sails and maybe that when you get to a certain age, maybe for me it was like 13 or 14 years old where I went from a receiver at Christmas looking forward to all the gifts that I was going to get to, to realizing all the big stuff I wanted I wasn't going to get anymore. But today as we look into God's word, we are going to see a group of individuals. I don't know even how many there were. They're, they're called wise men or magi. And, and they came from the east and they came to worship Jesus. And what I do know is that they did not open their gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. They broke those rules. They really did not get anything. That as you go through, they gave when you look at the, the amount of time and energy they spent in their going from modern-day Iran, Iraq, all the way to Jerusalem, all the way to Bethlehem, and, and what they put in and, and what they invested in gifts, that it was a money-losing proposition for them. And yet we are told that at that time, they were overjoyed. That, that, that as they were able to give gifts to Jesus, as they knelt down by his, his, his crib or, or wherever he was in the house where, where he was at, that they were overjoyed to be able to serve him and to give him gifts. And it makes me think that maybe as we look at this, we have something to learn about recapturing Christmas and understanding how we can both receive gifts and give them with the heart that God would have us have. So we begin. And we begin in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. As we look at that these individuals who were coming from the east, first of all, who were they? And they, they seemed to kind of appear and were not told where they came from or even afterwards where they went other than back home. But we are told that they are wise men, that they are magi, advisors to the king, whatever you want to call them. But most likely these individuals were not kings but advisors to the king. And they came from the east, modern-day Iran, Iraq. And so when we start to think about maybe where they came from or how they would have known about this, where it takes our thoughts is back to another individual from the Bible who was also a wise man from the east. And his name was Daniel. Daniel wrote one of the books of the Old Testament. He was an advisor to the king. He was a magi. He was a wise man, an individual who gave counsel to different kings of Babylon. 
and, and kings of Assyria as he was there. So, so that is who Daniel was. And many times in the book of Daniel, we see him going back to the Lord and sharing his faith and being very open and honest about what his beliefs were. And it got him in trouble, got him thrown into a, a den of lions. But as he did that, that word also worked on the hearts of these individuals. And, and somehow, we don't know exactly how they knew but they did know, thanks to that witness, most likely, of Daniel. And they, they appeared, uh, they were looking for the star, and when it appeared, they followed it. When? That's the next question. When did they come? I know it's popular to see them kind of arriving with the shepherds on Christmas Eve uh, on that evening. But the reality of it is, is, is the wise men, the magi, did not come on Christmas Day. They most likely, on Christmas Day is most likely when the star appeared, and that when you think about them getting everything ready and, and then making the trip, and later we're going to see that, that Herod asked them about the time when the star had appeared, that they most likely came a year later, uh, maybe a year and a half. Uh, later we're told that, that Herod, in an effort to try to kill Jesus, killed all the babies in Bethlehem, and he went from two years old and younger. So, so that makes us believe that, that they, they showed up a little bit later. And actually, in the church, the, the day that uh, we, we celebrate the coming of the wise men is 12 days after Christmas. And that's why you get the 12 days of Christmas. And then in January, January 6th is, is sometimes called the Christmas of the Gentiles, the Christmas of those who are not Jewish that that is when, when Christ made his appearance to all nations. So anyways, as you look at this, I, I think it's important that as we look at them, there is a little bit of history that we can piece together from other portions of the Bible. But one question we, that is answered clearly for us is why. Why did they come? It says, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That is why they came, to worship Jesus the Christ, to recognize him as the king and fall down in worship before him. In the blank, you can write, recapturing Christmas begins with a desire to worship God by coming and giving. And when we look at this, this is also going to be our end goal. That, that as we look at this and as we, we find joy in giving again, it's, it's going to be like the wise men because they found joy by coming and they found joy by giving. And so we're going to continue through here to, to see exactly how that happened. We continue. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. They were disturbed. And when you think about that, first of all, Herod was disturbed and, and then all Jerusalem with him. Herod was disturbed because he heard about a new king. 
And so we can understand that, that, that there was someone who was going to challenge his throne. But then all Jerusalem, and, and it might be, might be asking the question, why would all Jerusalem also be upset? And the, the way that I would show that is by looking at our last election. And remember, in the United States, one of the things that sometimes we forget is when there is a change of power from, from one party to another, it is the largest change of government, unbloody change, the world has ever seen. That if you would go back and look through history, whenever there are other changes of government, there's war, there's bloodshed, there's fighting until the strongest one wins. And usually the, the country is destroyed by civil war. But that's not what happens here. That there is an exchange of power, but even then, there are times when people are disturbed and upset because they are not happy for one reason or another. And so we look at this from that standpoint of why this would be so disturbing for Jerusalem is what this could mean when you think of their government. But they were missing the point. Now we're going to look at these, these gifts uh, of why they were so disturbed but it made me think, I couldn't help but thinking of, of a movie that I watched about gifts and about being disturbed about your gifts. Uh, it's not a Christmas one. It's, a, it's actually about birthday gifts, but I, I thought I would share it with you to kind of set the tone uh, for the attitude we might have. Just cook the breakfast and try not to burn anything. Yes, Aunt Petunia. I want everything to be perfect for my Dudley's special day. Hurry up. Bring my coffee, boy. Yes, Uncle Vernon. Aren't they wonderful, darling? How many are there? Thirty-six. Counted them myself. Yeah, well, some of them are quite a bit bigger than last year. I don't care how big they are. No, 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 no. This is what we're going to do. Is that when we go out, we're going to buy you two new presents. How's that, pumpkin? All right. I don't know if that's what your home looks like on Christmas morning. What, only 36 gifts? What's up with that? But, but do you see how one person in the house can disturb the whole house, how, how Herod can disturb the whole city, and how when it comes to gifts that we can, can be disappointed, it's important there because there were, there were a number of people who were disappointed. First of all is the gift receiver, right? But then do you see, maybe that's not who you are. Maybe you're more like the mom. I want my gifts to make everyone happy. And so what I'm going to do is give you, I'm going to try to give you whatever you want, and then you're going to be happy. Or maybe you're like the Harry Potter who looks at everything everyone else is getting and goes, oh, unbelievable. 
Uh, you guys, you look around you and you say, these people that I live with are pathetic. They're not happy. They're never happy with what they're given. Now, now let's look at the, the fill-ins. We, we, get ourselves, we set ourselves up for disappointment with gifts when we, first of all, forget a gift is undeserved. By definition, a gift is undeserved. I, I think of specifically uh, the, the one place where, where, I, where I know some of the employees, and every year at Christmas, they, on the, the first paycheck of December, they give them a $500 gift as a Christmas I don't know if they call it a Christmas bonus or not, but it's a Christmas gift. And that's been going on, I, I don't even know how long, but I know it's been going on for about five years for sure. I want you to imagine what it would be like in that company if they stopped giving the $500 gift for one year. I mean, it would be, excuse the expression, all hell break loose, right? That it would be like, are you kidding me? We've come to expect this. We buy presents with our families for this. And what happens is, is we forget that a gift, a true gift, is undeserved. And the fact that, that all of us fall into this trap is the fact that if there were no gifts at your home for Christmas this year, would people be upset and disappointed? It's because of a feeling of entitlement, isn't it? That, that we deserve this, that, that we expect this. And that's why it's important for us as we look at this, especially from a Christian standpoint, about what the Bible has to say about what we deserve and what a gift is. The Bible makes it very clear when it talks about those who sin, that, that sin as an act of rebellion against God by, by in our thoughts, the things we think, in our words, what we say, and with our actions, what we do. That, that those are acts of rebellion against God and that those who commit them deserve punishment both in this lifetime and the next. And I want to make it clear. That that's, that's what the Bible says. That, that is what God says about what we deserve. But then also the Bible speaks about a gift. It is by grace you are saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Very clear, made it very clear about what we deserve and and getting a gift that we don't deserve. And that's what God's grace and his mercy and the gift of Jesus Christ is all about. And as you begin to think about gifts and being disappointed with gifts, remember that a true gift is undeserved. And maybe even at this point, what I'll do is I'll contrast that by saying what we give to God truly are not gifts. What God gives us are gifts. What we give him are offerings. And those are completely different. That a gift is undeserved, an offering is absolutely deserved. An offering is what the wise men brought because they recognized the individual to whom they were giving it deserved them and deserved that praise and deserved their praise. Secondly, disappointment comes with gifts. We set our hearts on gifts we aren't going to receive. Uh, 
I, I did this a lot more when I was younger, I'll, I'll admit it, that I'm not going to be happy unless I get, I'll show my age, an Atari. You know, that, that, and, the, and the cartridge that, that has the 27 games you can play. And that was awesome. And now I know you can give them for like 39 bucks. Are you kidding me? I, mean, I know what I'm giving myself for Christmas. Anyways, uh, that, that we set ourselves up though that, that it always got bigger and bigger with what we're going to receive. And what they were looking for, what Herod was looking for, what he wanted to receive, what Herod wanted is to rule forever. He wanted to be the king. What the people wanted is government to give them a way that they felt they were going to be safe and they wouldn't have to worry about things. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. God never promised to give that to you. You are not going to receive that. And so ask yourselves, are you trying to, or looking to receive something that you are not going to get? And then finally, expect a gift to bring lasting happiness. And the way that I would just summarize this is we expect our gifts to do too much. There's no way. They just could not fulfill what, they, what we would like them to fulfill. So we continue. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So Herod told them, go ahead and then come back and tell me. We'll fill in the blank right away. No one can take the Christmas journey for you. No one can take that Christmas journey for you. And, and when I look at this, the, the question that goes in my mind is why? Why did Herod not go with them? And a couple of thoughts, one of them is he might have been afraid. Maybe he, this, he thought this could have been a trap that when he went there they would be waiting for him and then they would overtake him and kill him. It was all part of an elaborate plan and a coup to kill him. Maybe. Uh, maybe he had a disinterest. Maybe he thought he had time. Or maybe it was just lack of interest. I don't know. We're not told why. But we do know why the Magi went. They went to find him and to worship him. Now, as we look at this, the people have been doing pilgrimages for a thousand years, right? And, and you go on a pilgrimage where, where you decide, you know what, I, I want to go back to the place. I want to go to the place where Jesus lived. I want to go to the place where, where Jesus died. Where, I want to go to the empty tomb where Jesus rose. And, and this has been an industry, for people who want to go in and take these trips. But I, I want you to think of this, in, in, maybe in this context. And, and that is, could you imagine trying to pay someone to go on a trip for you and then have them come back and, and tell you what they saw? If you're looking for that, I would be happy to accommodate you. <laughs> Because I can go do that, and, and we had the, uh, the privilege, my wife and I, to travel this summer, and, and this is, we have never done it before, and, and to go, we went to Italy, and, and going there, oh my goodness, in the city of Rome, I've, the, with all the history I've taken, it was mind-blowing to me. As I'm swimming in the Mediterranean Sea, it's just, I just stopped taking pictures, 
I, I did. It was like there was no way I'm going to be able to capture this. And then when I came back, you know what I told people? You've got to go there. You just got to go. Yeah, yeah, these are the pictures. I know they don't do justice. You need to go there. And so it is with our relationship with Jesus. And I'm not telling you to, to buy an airplane ticket to Bethlehem. What I'm telling you is this is a pilgrimage, a spiritual pilgrimage that we take every year. It's the time that we take as we approach Jesus, the Savior, the King of the world. As we go back to his word, as, as we read the account, as we see God and man together in the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior, Christ the Lord, who has come to take away your sin. A little baby, so approachable. God saying to each one of you, this, I'm coming as a child so that you see that, I, that I'm harmless, that, that I love you, that you can come close to me and have that close relationship with you. Sometimes I feel like you want to pay me to take your spiritual journeys for you. Pastor, we'll pay you to go read the Bible for us and then tell us about what it's like on Sunday morning. I'm down with that if you want me to do that. It's the best job in the world. But I'm telling you that if you are not taking these trips into God's word on a daily, weekly basis, you are losing out. No one can take the Christmas journey a journey of repentance, a journey of forgiveness from your God. No one can take that for you. We continue. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit, okay? And, and, and this is going to seem like way out of the blue, but this goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Okay, so the, now we're talking about the idea of offerings and gifts, right? And Abel brought him an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborns of his flocks. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Lee, do you know what this is teaching us? God doesn't like vegetables. Right? Exactly, exactly. I know that. Lee doesn't like vegetables either. He's in my growth group. <laughs> no, that's not what it's teaching us. But, but what does it teach us? That, that God looks into the heart. That they both brought an offering. And, and it wasn't even about the offering, but it was about the heart with which the offering was brought. In the blank, this is huge. This is really big stuff. Gifts are a window into the heart of the giver. Window, or gifts are a window into the heart of a giver. This is why if you go and look at our Christmas tree, and maybe if you go look at your own, you're going to see Christmas ornaments that no one in the world would ever buy or put on their tree that are made out of popsicle sticks, that are made out of cut up pieces of fabric that vaguely resemble a Christmas tree with buttons as ornaments, and, and you're looking at it, and, and from anyone else in the world except you would be seen as ugly. But they're a window 
into the heart of your child who gave it to you. And every time you look at that ornament, you do not see an ugly ornament. You see the heart of your child who gave it. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful because they gave you, they they cared so much. That's what they gave you for Christmas. And you are thankful. That is the same reason why my wife gets mad at me if I give her a gift card for Christmas. Because really? What is that? What kind of gift is that? Why, why, what I want is for you to know who I am and I want to see your heart in a gift that you give me. So the gift card better be at least 100 bucks. <laughs> Think about that, that. And when you start to see this, this is why in hindsight, in hindsight, when I was a kid, I'm telling you, underwear, socks, one pair of clothing, that's what I got every Christmas. And, and a part of me was disappointed because all the other kids were getting these toys and stuff like that. But it was a window into the heart of my parents who at the time, there's eight kids. My dad was working two jobs. And they wanted us to have clothing and they wanted us to be taken care of. And that was an opportunity when you multiply that times eight where they could do it. And, and, they, and, and it's a window into the heart also of being... Uh, taking care of us. I, I don't even know how to say it other than now as a parent, I understand it. And so window into their heart. And I want you to think about that both as you give gifts and as you receive it because normally what I want gifts to be is not a window into the heart of a giver but rather to fill my need, my constant need for what I want. And maybe we even get sucked into that a little bit that we want to give them what's going to make them happy. And I'm not saying it's wrong to give a gift card or anything like that. But when you begin to truly understand God's gift and appreciate the gifts of others, the more that you do that, and as you give a gift, that you give someone a piece of your heart towards them, I think you're starting to get somewhere and understand gifts a little bit better. Let's continue. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I want you to look at these verses in the context of being a window into the heart of a giver. The first blank. Jesus is a window into God's heart. In Jesus, we see God's justice and his love. If you have been around Crosswalk for a while and if you have gone to 101 class, hopefully these words sound very familiar to you. These, this, is, this is lesson 101, lesson one. And that is the heart of God. That on the one hand, God is a just God who cannot tolerate sin, who will not tolerate sin, who cannot have anything to do with sin, who punishes those who are wicked and gives people what they deserve because that is what a just God and a just judge does. But God is also a loving God who doesn't want anyone to perish but wants all to have eternal life. 
And the way that that heart of God that, that seems so different are sewn together is with the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the God-man. Jesus, the one who had to be born into the world as the only way that he could satisfy both God's justice and his love. God's justice by living a perfect life for us in our place as our substitute. God's justice for dying the death that you and I deserve. And at the same time, God's love, telling us that our sins are forgiven and we have a place with God in heaven. If you want to see the heart of God, look in the manger, look on the cross, look in the open tomb. There you will see the heart of God and a window into there and God's great love for you. The next one. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were a window into the heart of the the Magi. Window into the heart of the Magi. They worshiped King Jesus in humility. When you look into the heart of the, the wise men, the Magi, you know what you see? Also Jesus. You, you see King Jesus there. And, and for that reason, they, they brought these gifts that reflected it. Gold, the gift for a king. Frankincense and myrrh pointing ahead to the death of Jesus. I don't know exactly how much they could have articulated exactly what Jesus as the king and as the Christ would do, but their gifts were symbolic and definitely reflected that truth of who this Savior was going to be. And finally, when we find joy in the gift we receive, we can also find joy in the gifts that we give. This is the way that the gift process works, people. Going to that window into the heart of God and having your window open where it is then filled, receiving and then giving and sharing. I I tell you, I would like to solve all the gift problems. I would like everyone to open gifts on Christmas Day and only then at 5 a.m. No, we're not going to do that. It would be great if you weren't disappointed with gifts. But the reality of it is, is there's one gift you need not be disappointed. It's the gift of Jesus Christ. And may that be a gift that is reflected in all the gifts that you give as you show love to one another. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. And and we thank you that you allow us to, to take Uh, a walk with the wise men and follow them and join them on their pilgrimage where we again go to Bethlehem and, and see the one who has been born, the King of the Jews. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for showing us your heart by giving him to us as a gift. Now, Lord, as we live our lives, help us to also find joy in in receiving and giving gifts as well. Help us to, to see into the heart of people who love and care about us and be thankful for what they give. And then also, Lord, help us to be generous in the gifts that we give. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. 
Don't forget about the gift you have, a window into God's heart. His love and his justice came in a baby named Jesus Christ, and it is your gift from God. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.